Welcome to Sunday Morning Worship. Now, I know this is not probably how most of you expected to be uh, celebrating what was supposed to be our friends and family day today. But like so many other events at this time, our friends and family day is just unfortunately going to have to be postponed and we're going to have that large get together like we always do. Uh, I don't know about you, but I am definitely looking forward to that time of being able to come back together and I'm looking forward to uh, having a guest speaker come in and being able to share a meal with people afterwards. I mean, that is going to be so wonderful. But that's not what we have this morning. What we have this morning is, yes, we, we have some people meeting at the building and we have some people just meeting in their homes and watching these videos this morning. But I still wanted us to have something to, to look at about friends and family from the scriptures and specifically uh, what Jesus had to say, at least a little bit of what Jesus had to say about friends uh, and family. Uh, from John's Gospel, we're going to take a look. First off, let's see something that he says about friends. In John 15, beginning in verse 12, Jesus says to his closest disciples, and, and it's so important that you understand the context of these passages that we're looking at this morning. John chapters uh, really 13, uh, 14, and 15, all of those are kind of the very night that he is going to be betrayed. This is that he is celebrating this, uh, this what we call today communion, what we oftentimes refer to as the Last Supper with his disciples. They're, they're celebrating the Passover feast, and the Passover feast has this new meaning. So it's this very close gathering that Jesus has with what oftentimes uh, is done among family members. That's how Passover was, was celebrated is. It was in your individual home among your own family members. Well, this is Jesus's family, so to speak. But the language that he's using, he does use some language about family, but he also uses this language about friends. So this is his closest group, and this is what he has to say to them. John 15, verses 12 through 17. My commandment is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friend. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know what his master's does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. So you probably kind of noticed uh, that I have underlined here in verse 14, this phrase, you are my friends if you do what I command. That is so crucial that we've got to understand that in order to be a friend of God, in order to be a friend of Jesus, we need to do what he commands. You know, sometimes we don't always think about the commands in the New Testament because we think of, oh, well, that, that's the Old Testament. You know, the Old Testament has all these commands in which they had to, to be faithful to God with. But you know, there are some commands in the New Testament. And I believe it's so important that whenever we do see something that we are commanded in the New Testament, that we pay close attention to it because that is how we become a friend of God. That is how we show and that we prove and that we, we are truly on God's side is whenever we do the things that he's commanded us. Keeping in mind the entire time that God doesn't just list some you know, a long list of commands that he just wants you to do just because he thinks it's fun for you to have to do it. No, our God is a very loving God. Any command that he gives of us, there's a reason behind it. 
So what commands does it come down to? Well, interestingly enough, in this context here in uh, John, what Jesus has been talking about is, is about following the commands of God. However, um, right here in this passage, he doesn't talk about command. He talks about one command, and he says it two different ways, or basically it's, it's the same command. Let's look here together. Notice in verse 12, and then also in verse 17, that Jesus says in two different ways. And I'm going to read these verses again, okay? Verse 12 is, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. And then verse 17, this is my command, love each other. Now, you might look at those two things and you might think, oh, okay, well, those, those are kind of different commands. But really, I think that we will, we will see that they are the same command. What they have to do with is loving each other. Uh, the way in which we love is the way that, that Christ loved us. Now, specifically to those people who are gathered around this meal, taking a, a Passover with, with Jesus here and listening to him speak, the way that he has just shown that he loves them is by becoming a servant. If you remember on this night, He's the one who gets this wash basin, and he's the one who washes the feet of his disciples. He takes on the role of a servant. That is how he loves them. That's how he showed his love. Now, we know the rest of the story, and we know that really how Christ loved us is not just that, you know, yeah, okay, that one night he stooped down and he washed their feet. No, it's not just that. Just moments later, chapters later than this, what we're going to see how much the love of Jesus is, is that he gave his life for us. I can't help but think he's perhaps hinting at that in verse 13 whenever he says, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one life for one's friends. That's exactly what Jesus did for us. He laid down his life for us so that we can have life. And we are called to do the commands of God. What are those commands? Well, it's doing the same thing that Jesus did, and that is to love each other, to love each other just like Christ has loved us. And I tell you this several times, and I believe it's so important. If you want to know how Christ responds in a specific situation among a certain type of people or something like that, read the Gospels. Almost always, you will find how Jesus interacted with different people groups, and you will find out the type of love that he had for people. Sometimes he had so much love for people that he warned them whenever they were sinning and needed to get their life right. Sometimes he loved them so much that he didn't pick up specifically on what their sins were. He instead just showed them that he was there and that he was showing them love in that moment. Now, all the while, of course, he doesn't want us to sin. I mean, every single one of those occasions, what you will find is that he does address sin. He doesn't just ignore it. It's just sometimes he doesn't bring it to the front because that doesn't have to happen with every individual. Sometimes the way to bring love and to show love to people is by not mentioning exactly their sins, but just letting them know that, look, these sins are not of God. These aren't the things that we need to be doing. What we need to be doing are the commands of God. Jesus is this perfect example for us to see how we should love one another. And I believe that the church would do a, a great service to itself if we would spend more time reading the Gospels, seeing how Jesus interacted with people, learning from Jesus and discussing these things among each other because guess what? I might notice something that you missed about how Jesus responds in a situation and the reverse is oftentimes true. You might notice something that I've never thought of and you can help bring out something in the life of Jesus that I can learn from and that I can grow from and implement in my own life. That's what it means to be the church that Christ has called us to be, 
That's what it means to be this church, is that we learn from each other, that we learn how to love like Jesus loved. Now, this concept goes back even longer before the time of, of uh, Jesus, whenever he was uh, physically here on this earth. Uh, we see evidence of this very, very early in the scriptures. For example, in James chapter 2, we see that Abraham is used as an example for his faith, and, and we see the type of faith that he had, but we see that, that he was obeying the commands of God, even if they didn't always make sense. For example, James 2, 21, and 20, 21 through 23. Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. You want to know what it takes to be a friend of God? This is what it takes. Look at Abraham, and you see that he didn't understand why God asked him to offer up his, his son Isaac. And, you know, as we look at that passage uh, there in Genesis 22, you know, we look at that occasion and we think, you know, why would God ask him to do that? Everything that God asked in that uh, instance has a purpose. It has a reason. And most of it was to show Abraham that he has to trust in God because God's been promising an heir. God's been promising someone that's going to be born to him, his own son. And then whenever he gets his son, God says, OK, I need you to offer him up. He's asking him to give up the very thing that is so important for Abraham to be able to bless all the nations is it's got to come through his own offspring, his own son. How is it going to happen? Well, this is a test of Abraham's faith. This shows that Abraham is willing to do what God commands. So what type of test of faith have you had to endure recently? And how have you done about that? Have you followed what God has asked you to do, even though you don't always understand why? Because that's what Abraham did, and that's how he could be called God's friend. So in this morning, it's not always just about being friends with people. There's also another side to Friends and Family Day. The other side, of course, is family. And of course, the church is oftentimes mentioned uh, as a family. And even the, the leaders of the church are called to be people who lead their family well. In fact, in order for you to be a leader of the church, you have to lead your family well. That's part of the, the, uh, the recommendations there in the scriptures. So let's see what Jesus says about family. Going back to that scene of, of those closest uh, people to him uh, around that Passover feast. This time we're actually going to back up into a previous chapter in John chapter 14. And you're going to hear some of the same things that Jesus already said that we looked at. So John 14, let's look at verses 15 through 21 right now. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commands and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. So here in this passage, of course, you see the same type of command that was given before. The command was to, to love him. And here we also see, look, if you love me, 
you're going to keep my command. So it's kind of like the reverse. So there's this, this wonderful connection between these two that if you want to keep the commands of God, you're going to love people. Well, if you love people and if you love God, then you're going to keep his commands. So then you just kind of keep going in this, in this endless cycle of how to fulfill the law uh, that God has asked us to is to keep his commands by loving him and loving other people. But whenever we love God, then we're going to keep his commands. So it just goes back and forth through all of this. Now, you might be wondering, okay, what does this have to do with family? Well, look at verse 18. Jesus said to his disciples, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Now, specifically, I think you can see from this that what he's talking about and getting them ready is the Spirit, the Holy Spirit that's going to come on them. Uh, because, you know, right there, Jesus is there in their midst, but he knows he's going to be taken away from them. But he also knows he's not going to leave them just to fend for themselves. They're not going to be without a family. They're not going to be like orphans. No, no, no. He says, I will come to you. And he also among all of this, is saying that he's going to send this, this advocate. He's going to send the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is going to be in them. It's going to be with them, verse 17, and is going to guide them. He's not going to leave us alone. No, it was for our benefit that Jesus, in the flesh, went up to the Father, but now the one that has come to us is the Holy Spirit, and he is working and doing mighty things in the church that we see today. Jesus did not leave us as orphans. He did not leave them as orphans. He has taken care of us, and we are still this family of God. We also see this beautiful statement in verse 19 that I can't help but draw our attention to as well. The last part of that verse, it says, because I live, you also will live. Now, next week is Easter Sunday. I think you've probably kind of figured that out and, and, and realized that, and, and that's so crucial because around the time of Easter, you know, we see uh, outside Things are coming back to life. You know, we see flowers sprouting. It's been very interesting. Some of the conversations I've had with my own kids about uh, about seeing this new life, about seeing the flowers and, and seeing things grow uh, whenever we haven't seen that just, you know, a few months ago. Well, now we also see this promise that because Jesus lives, because Jesus rose from the dead, we will live. We have that hope. We have that promise. That no matter what we might face in this life, no matter what hardships we might face, even if we face death itself, that's not the end. Because Jesus lives, we will also live. He says, because I live, you also will live. That's the promise that Jesus gives us. And that's a wonderful promise and one that we can definitely rely on and trust in uh, during this time and all times that Jesus cares for us and that he provides for us. We are part of this family of God. God has seen to it uh, time and time again. Let's keep looking, though, because there's also uh, a little bit more in the next few verses. So John chapter 14, now verses 22 through 23. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come with them and make their home, make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. So here in this passage, this is the last thing that we're going to look at together this morning. And the, the last thing that I want us to, to draw our attention to is what he says in verse 23, talking about 
his father, talking about God, talking about Jesus as well. He says that my father will love them and we, that's Jesus and the father, we will come to them and make our home with them. You know, I think so much of the, the time we, we find Christians are focused on, you know, oh, well, we get to go and, and be with God. You know, we get to go uh, to heaven and be with God. You know, sometimes we focus so much on that. However, what the Bible talks about and how it talks about it more often than, than not is that God comes to us. That See, everything that Jesus did, everything that God has done is helping make a way for him to come to us and to be with us. It's not always about, you know, what we can do in order to go and, and to be with him in heaven. Now, that's not as much the focus of the Bible. The focus of the Bible is how can we have this relationship with him? How can God allow himself to be able to be among us as humans um, after we have chosen different pathways than just following God? Because all of us have chosen that at one point or another. We've chosen to turn our back on God and go a different way and try to figure out this life on ourselves. But that's not what God intended for us. God always wanted to be there with us. But now that we've we've messed up that relationship with God, what does God do? That's what Jesus did by redeeming us, by buying us back, by mending that relationship that we have with the Father so that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit can come to us and make their home with us. Talk about family. Talk about this wonderful family reunion of all those who are saved. I mean, can you imagine what it will one day be like, us being able to be with God? I mean, just, you know, think about that, and being able to talk with God, and to, to learn more things about what he's done, and saying with, with Jesus. But then all those who have lived both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, what we find is that we will be able to be united with them because we are the family of God. Thank you very much for watching this video and for your attention today. I'll see you later.